Lord God, Heavenly Father, just thank you for today. I thank you for the blessing that you allow us to come together as brothers and sisters, Lord God, to worship you, to praise your name, to hear your word proclaimed, Lord God. I just ask that we will never take it for granted. Lord God, we have brothers and sisters throughout the world that don't get this opportunity to be able to come together and worship you. Lord, I ask that you will be with them today, that their voices will be raised up just as ours are to your ears, Lord God. And Lord God, I just ask that you bless our time together, that this message will be met in the way that you intended it to. And I ask it in your son's holy name, in Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Mercy Hill. As always, it is an honor and a blessing to share the Word of God with you this morning. And I do want to take one moment to thank you all for the prayers that you've sent my way as well as um, the rest of the interns' way as we take part in this internship with Eric. We truly do believe that prayer works and we can feel it, um, whether it be when we're together or when we're standing before you. If you've been following along with us in, your, in our reading plan, you know that we are in 1 Samuel. So if you do have your Bibles with you, I ask you to go ahead and open them. And you're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 1 and then we're going to, or verse 1, and then we're going to skip to verses 6 through 13. So let's go ahead and read. 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he has come here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, had beautiful eyes, and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Let's pray once more. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for allowing us to get to know you better. I do ask that you open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our soul with your truth today. And it is in your Son's holy name I pray. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. All right, so 1 Samuel chapter 16. It opens with the Lord asking the prophet Samuel, how long he was going to grieve 
over his, over God's, rejection of Saul as king, king of Israel, the first king of Israel. But before we dive too deeply into our passage, we need to lay some groundwork and do a little background information. Because you see, Israel didn't always have a human king. But as Samuel aged, his sons did not walk in his ways. So the elders of Israel used this as an excuse or an opportunity to ask for a king because they desired to be like the rest of the world. This initially displeased Samuel. And when he went before the Lord, the Lord told him, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. A man by the name of Saul is selected to be king. And we are told that he was a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he was. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So he was a real specimen. It seems that even, Saul, that even Samuel bought into the hype of Saul's physical stature. During Saul's coronation, Samuel announced, Do you see whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. With Saul reigning over Israel, Samuel took a step back, but not before addressing all of Israel and warning them. He said, do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider that great things, the great things he has done for you, but if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. A little more background. In chapter 15, the Lord commands Saul to completely destroy the Amalekites. In this command, Saul was to kill and destroy all things, including oxen, sheep, camels, and donkeys. God had passed judgment on the Amalekites for sinning against him and his people. But Saul did not fully obey the Lord. He took, the king of the, he took the king of the Amalekites alive and allowed the best of the animals to be preserved. When Samuel confronted Saul about his disobedience, Saul's excuse was that they had spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord. But Samuel's, Samuel rebuked Saul, and he tells him that the Lord delights in obedience more than sacrifice, and that his disobedience cost him the kingdom. At this moment, Saul then confesses his disobedience, of course, knowing that the kingdom has already been lost, but he also blames the people of Israel for his disobedience. Some may say that Saul was partially obedient, and in some ways he was, but that is not what God calls us to. Although I would guess that all of us do this to some extent, that we partially obey God. Think about the command to pray for your enemies. How often do we pray for the family member, coworker, classmate, or friend that has wronged us, let alone the people who are antagonistic toward us because of our faith in Jesus Christ? This morning we had prayer and one of the brothers brought up the fact that it's easy to pray for the politicians that we agree with but it becomes difficult when we have to pray for those who we don't agree with. But yet we are commanded 
to pray for our enemies. I'll give you another example. This time I'm going to take you behind the scenes of our internship. We do what I like to call or refer to as kind of like a pastoral simulation. We, we title this Stand and Deliver. So how this works is when we meet with Eric on Fridays, he gets us together in a group and he gives us a situation that we may come into contact with when we're out in, in the field as pastors. And typically it's an interaction between us as playing the pastor and an individual, whether it be that that individual is a believer or a non-believer. And on a specific day, one of the examples that he had given us was a young man that came before us, or before one of us, that was engaged. And at that moment, he was talking to the pastor, the young man was talking to the pastor, and he says, you know, we're engaged, and I I know sleeping with my fiancé is wrong. I know that it says that it's sinful in, in the Bible, but, but I love her, and we're getting married. So it's acceptable, right? Is it wrong? Yes, it's wrong. Is it against the commandment of God? Yes, it is. Is it partial obedience? Yes, it is. God demands complete obedience, a heart of obedience. Saul did not serve the Lord faithfully with all of his heart. He was disobedient. The Lord gave him a command and he did not obey it. And as a result, God determined to replace him. We read in chapter 13 that Samuel tells Saul, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have, have not kept what the Lord commanded you. This leads to our passage. Quite the introduction, right? This leads to our passage in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. We read that the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. The Lord rejected Saul for his disobedient heart, and he sent Samuel to Bethlehem to anoint a new king. That he had provided for himself the man who Samuel described as a man after God's own heart. God did not initially disclose to Samuel which one of Jesse's sons he had chosen. So we read in verses 6 and 7, when they came, Jesse's sons, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Samuel sees Jesse's oldest son, Eliab. And all indications, by all indications, Eliab was was also a physical specimen. He was a bit like Saul. He was a big guy. He was tall, probably powerfully built, like an NFL linebacker or a a heavyweight boxer or fighter. And Samuel thought to himself, surely this is the Lord's anointed one. 
This is his chosen king. We sometimes do this, don't we? We assign value to people based on their physical appearance. I know just saying that makes some of us uncomfortable. And it probably makes some of us feel offended and somewhat defensive. Because we don't like to think that way about ourselves. That we would be so shallow to assign value to someone based upon his or her appearance. There's no question that we live in a predominantly secular world. Any form of entertainment that we look to emphasizes the outward appearance of people. It cannot be avoided. Even in what some have labeled the evangelical industrial complex, we have Christian musicians, actors and actresses, athletes, pastors, and speakers that are critiqued based upon their outward appearance. Yes, we do this. Whether we like to admit it or not, to some extent we all do this. It doesn't even have to be necessarily based upon an individual's physical body. Sometimes the outward appearance that we look upon may include the the clothing that someone wears, the vehicle that someone drives, the house that someone rents or owns. All of these things qualify as the outward appearance that man looks upon. I am guilty of this, and I know I'm not the only one. But God, the Lord, looks on the heart. When Jesse's sons came and Samuel set his eyes on Eliab, he assumed he was the chosen one. But God, the Lord, said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. I have rejected him. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesse then calls Abinadab, the second oldest son. He rolls him out and has him pass before Samuel as well. And again, Samuel says, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse then selects his third eldest son, Shammah, has him pass on by. So he's strolling by, and again, Samuel says, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, the youngest. A word translated here as youngest in the original Hebrew can be also translated as smallest or unimportant. So even Jesse, the father of David, says there remains yet the youngest, the smallest, the unimportant, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. He's out there with the sheep. Samuel says to Jesse, send and get him. We won't sit down until he comes. They sent, brought him in. He's described, David is described as ruddy, having beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And now I know many of you may be thinking, well, here it says David had beautiful eyes and he was handsome. Yes, this is true. But it's not why God chose him. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 21 and 22, we are told, they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he, God, had removed him, 
God raised up David to be their king, of whom God testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse a man after my heart who will do all of my will. A man after my heart who will do all my will. The Lord, looking on the heart of David, saw that David genuinely worshipped him. That David's heart desired to obey God, to do all of his will. David's good looks did not find favor in God's eyes. It was his heart. A heart bent toward obeying God. This is the type of heart we should long for. A heart of genuine worship. A heart that truly desires to obey God. Not in some legalistic fashion. Not by thinking that we gain favor by our acts, but by allowing a genuine or yeah, but allowing a genuine heart for God to drive our actions, our words, our thoughts, and even our prayer life. You see, what drove Israel's desire for a king was their rejection of the one and only true king. Because of their failure to submit or properly obey God, they asked for a human king to be placed over them. Saul was chosen to be king, but he was disobedient. He refused to fully submit and obey God, so God rejected him as king. God chose David, because David possessed a heart that genuinely desired to do the will of God and to obey him. If you are familiar with David's story, you know that he was far from perfect. He committed a heinous sin against one of his mighty soldiers, Uriah. In fact, he committed adultery with Uriah's wife, and in a roundabout way, he murdered Uriah. David was eventually confronted, and he confessed his sins. And he confessed them before the Lord. His confession and genuine repentance was a sign of an obedient heart. And God established a covenant with him that would make way for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Acts 13.23 says of this man's offspring, of David's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Jesus is the better David. God requires perfect obedience, and only one was perfectly obedient. We cannot be perfectly obedient. We need Christ's guidance and strength. I'm going to close with a story and one last point. Early on during the uh, lockdown for COVID, my wife Jenna and I had the opportunity to take in her grandmother. We affectionately called Grandma Jima or Jimama. Gma was diagnosed with late-stage lung cancer. There was not much medically that could be done for her. So we moved her into our finished basement. And we quickly learned that for her to get in contact with us, sometimes when we weren't down there with her, required her to yell up the stairs, which didn't seem quite efficient. So we got a baby monitor. And we would use this as like a walkie-talkie, basically, where she would communicate to us on the upper level if we weren't down with her. Often, often, Jima, Jima could be heard 
praying. She would ask the Lord for help with the pain. I had many God-honoring conversations with Chief Mama. I distinctly remember talking to her about praying for healing. I remember her telling me the only reason that she wanted to be healed was so that her grandsons would believe in God. That was the type of woman that she was. I tell you this because G-Mama was probably about four foot nothing. She was 84 years old and she would tell you herself she was probably a little overweight. By no means, <laughs> by outward appearance, would someone have confused Grandma with Israeli royalty. But I will tell you this much. She had a heart for God. Worship team, you can come on up. This is the last thing I have for you. Maybe today you've realized that you have a disobedient heart toward God. You need to confess that. James 5.16 encourages us to confess our sins to one another and to pray for one another. So may I suggest that you find a trusted brother or sister that you can confess to about your disobedient heart and who will pray with you to overcome that disobedient heart. Or perhaps you're realizing today that you've never truly repented. You've never truly confessed that Christ is your Lord and Savior. And you've never genuinely turned to him wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Holding nothing back. Turning away from your sin. And now is the day that you've decided that you are done, that you are done with the sin and you desire Christ and Christ alone. If that's you, I would simply ask that you take a moment to pray to God and ask him for guidance and understanding of how to faithfully follow him. And I would also strongly suggest that you contact one of our elders that's here to walk alongside of you or to help you find someone that will. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the people in this room, Lord God. I ask that you will give them an obedient, God-honoring heart, Lord God. Replace these hearts of stone that reside in some of us and make them flesh. Mold them, Lord God. Conform us to your image the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, we cannot do it on our own. We would be wrong to claim to. Lord, I just ask that you will infiltrate all of our hearts, that we will long to be obedient to you, to glorify your name in all that we do, whether it be our jobs, our family life, 
the involvement with our friends, whatever it is that we're doing in our spare time, that we, we, that we will be moved to bless our brothers and sisters across the globe. Lord God, that you will hear our hearts cry. That our family members will hear our words and our prayers going up to you, Lord God. And know that our hearts are set upon you. That we long to be obedient to you. I ask this in your son's holy name. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen.